Wilson, like a cork in the ocean over his head. Marking contest over the top, Subic's great grab. Across the ground, bam, in comes Donny Wurzlow. Got it out to a oh. kick, kick smothered, check, Hunter. Who would have thought the sequel would be just as good as the original? Kicks inside 50, McGovern, McGovern, what a player. Shake needs to be in perfect the premiers of 1992. The 1994 premiers. Premiers. The 2018 AFL Premiership I just expected it was a boo. Bloody Eagles fans, they don't know anything but booing. We've got re-signings to talk about as well, Miguel. We've got a full game preview from West Coast and Hawthorne, but you're champing at the bit. You're ready to get going, get involved today. A week is a very long time in football. We're feeling all right this week, aren't we? Yeah, how much difference a week makes. Yeah, it was all sort of doom and gloom this time last week, even going into that game. I didn't think uh, I didn't think we were a huge chance, and... Couldn't have been better, really. That was the voice of Miguel Sanchez, of course. I'm your host, Honey Badger 35 and we will be joined today as well by Keys. Keys, it was a weird build-up to this derby, a lot of pessimism, and then there was the whole COVID angle we had to deal with. But in the end, pretty pleasant way to spend the day. Yeah, it was. Yeah, sort of yo-yo season continues on. You know, it's uh, win-loss, win-loss, coinciding with home and away, and somewhere along the line we've got to break that. Hopefully it's because we win this weekend, but... A 10-goal thumping of Fremantle is always a pleasure to watch. Hopefully this weekend we get the win. We'll, of course, get onto the Derby. We will get onto the Hawthorne preview as well later on in the show. Uh, off the top, guys, though, another plug. Unfortunately, last time we did the live call, things didn't go so well. But, gents, uh, I believe you guys might be joining me this uh, Sunday as well for another live call. The Eagles play the Hawks. It starts at 10 past 11. As I said, we'll preview the game later on in the show, but the main thing is if you would like to hear some alternate commentary, some proper fan commentary, we'll only talk about the Eagles. It's going to be fully biased. It's going to be fully in our corner. None of the Vicks. No listening to Eddie. No listening to BT or Dwayne Russell. Just come, celebrate, listen to us, and uh, sync it up with your TV. Watch along with us. We'd love to have you join us on that. Keep your eyes peeled to social media for the link. We will spam the link everywhere, but yeah, we're bringing back the live commentary this week. Please join us for it. It's going to be a lot of fun. You can write your questions in as well. Get involved all along the way. And, gents, hopefully it will be a West Coast Eagles win. Yeah, if we have another 16-goal loss, we might have to park the live commentary for the year, I think. Yeah, hands up on that one. That might be our fault. Anyway, no 16-goal loss on the weekend, gents. The Eagles got a win. They got an impressive win. Some would say they got a hilarious win. So let's talk about it. West Coast Eagles, 20 goals, 12, 132. Defeated Fremantle, 11 goals, 7, 73. It was Fremantle's most accurate performance for the season. It was the first time this year they've kicked more goals than points. And they still lost by more or less 10 goals. It was a very pleasant way to spend the Sunday. And you guys all thought so too. Thank you for your three-word reviews. All very pleasant this week. Kane says, home sweet home. Michael said, boys stood up. Uh, This one from DK, he said, not bad, Beagles. Chris said, cop that, Muppets. G'day to any Freo fans listening. Rob said, poetry in motion. Stephen loved hardball gets. Greg thinks four quarters finally. And Yvonne said, a team win. Miguel, a lot of positive sentiment this week. And why wouldn't there be? What a game that was. Yeah, um, yeah, everything went fantastically well, really, once the... um 
once the ball was bounced up until that, it was looking quite terrible. We, you know, we lost players in the lead-up. We had all the uh, sort of celebrating Hearn for his milestone, and then he injured himself in the captain's run. We lost Barras, uh, who hadn't realised coming into the game that was in doubt. Uh, and then on the morning of the game, fans were locked out. So a um, bit of a disastrous start. But uh, once we actually got going, everything basically went as well as we could have really dreamed, I think. We identified last week we needed to win the ball out of the middle, which we did. Yeah, contested possessions and clearances. Uh, we went into the game performing uh, much worse than Frio in both those areas. When you're missing key players in that area, but ended up winning the contested possessions by 15 and clearances by nine. And um, and that was without Nick Nat having a huge influence in the ruck. Yeah, got a heap of supply to the forwards and, and uh, they were able to take advantage. We were really efficient going inside 50, which we usually are. Yeah, just uh, everything to like really about that performance. I agree with you. There was a lot to like. I will disagree that Nick Nat didn't have a huge influence in the ruck. There weren't the highlight reel taps in the numbers that we're used to seeing, but Still eight clearances from Nick, which was second best on the field, better than any Freo player. I thought the third quarter was a little bit of the, the Nick Nat show and also the midfield show. But Keys, let's start with those mids. Tim Kelly, we've been waiting for him to just take a game and rip it apart. Well, I think this was it. Second half in particular, complete dominance. He's taken home the Glen Denning Allen medal. 42 disposals, but let's not forget his teammates as well. 35 from Gaff. We had 30 from Shade. 29 from Redden. What's that? That's... 34 average across four top-line midfielders. Tough week for them, and then they responded in big, big fashion. So fantastic to see the mids lift. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, with our inexperienced back line, we really needed the, the mids to win more than their fair share of the footy to protect the back line. And I mean, a pretty even contest through the middle in the first half, and it was quite quite an open game, pretty high scoring. I think it was, I think I'm right in saying they, they said it was the, the highest number of goals at halftime in the derby. It was, yes. Uh, so it was you know, pretty open and quite an entertaining game. And then uh, after half time, the um, Fremantle midfield sort of rolled over like a puppy wanting a tummy tickle. And, uh, you know, we just sort of waltzed it through for the rest of the game. So that was uh, really good to watch. Um and I think it was good. Those four mids, they're our senior mids, and we really need—we really did need those guys to step up, and they did their job. The other guy who I thought more so in the first half than the second half, but he was a big part of keeping us uh, keeping pace with midfield, with the Fremantle midfield in the first half, was um, Jermaine Jones. Quite comfortably, his best game for the club, I thought. I really, really liked his game. He sort of nutted in one ball. I think he. One stage, he sort of was in a bit of a tussle with Fife and wrenched it out of Fife's grasp and might have helped set up a goal. Ran a little dance around Nathan Wilson and kicked our first goal. Big game from him. And the other guy was, you know, Mr. Versatile, Oscar Allen, goes down back and um, just showed how much potential he's got. He's sort of not a natural defender, but uh, had to be switched on to um, Kravenar after half time. And, and, <laughs> and, and as much as... You know, Fremantle's supply dried up. You know, pretty much nullified the guy who who was looking like he could take the way go for from us in the first half. So good result and a good overall team performance. I don't think there was any real passengers on the day. No, even guys that are becoming a little bit of a whipping boy this year. You know, you got a guy like Vardy draws the ire a little bit. Harry Edwards obviously thrown in the deep end somewhat, but he held his own outside of a little ten minute window. I think where Frio was starting to get on top. Miguel, Keys just mentioned there the supply dried up. A lot of that was because of the clearance numbers. We've seen now that the Eagles can do it. They did it against Port, who are a great contested footy team. 
Fremantle, for all their faults, they are the number one team at restricting opponents. They've got, you know, they hold opponents to the lowest number of clearances per game. Just the second time this year they've been beaten in the clearances, and they were beaten pretty convincingly. So the backs held up nicely when it was their turn. The forwards, we'll get onto them in a moment. They really started to put on a show as well. But I just cannot say enough about the mids. It's really nice to know that they've got it. Now we need to unlock the secret to doing this essentially week in, week out. Yeah, and it's hard to know yeah, what the difference is and you know, why we have two different teams turn up. Um, you know, we had the team last or the week before that just got smashed in that area by Geelong. Even in that game, we probably had two different teams because you know, they were doing quite well in the first quarter and then got smashed after quarter time. But yeah, there's no real rhyme or reason to it that I can see other than we're at home or, or we're away. But yeah, it was we basically ran with the same midfield we did the week before. I think Duggan spent a bit more time in there. Um, but yeah, it was just such a markedly different performance. Uh, so yeah, as you said, the, the test will be to back it up on the road and uh, got a great opportunity to do that against Hawthorne um, this week uh, who aren't travelling that well. But yeah, I'd love to know what it is that can cause us to put in that sort of performance uh, as opposed to what we saw the previous week. I reckon Simo would love to know too, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. answers on a postcard and send them into Simo, please. Uh, Keys, what about the twins? Jared Brander, Josh Rotham. 17 disposals for Rotham, 12 marks. He got some coaches' votes as well. Brander had 16 touches and two goals, two tackles as well. One was an absolute bone cruncher. You love to see that from a guy who, you know, his physicality's been doubted sometimes, let's be honest. He's, but he did step up. Second half in particular for Jared Brander. These are two guys, they're very young, not a lot of football yet between them, but I'm starting to think that, okay, definitely with Jared Brander, we might have something here. And then Josh Rotham, he's sort of cementing himself in the best 22 now, even at full health. Yeah, Rotham just, he's just incrementally each week, he's just slowly just rusting himself onto that back line. You know, he's really, really impressive. He just goes about his job, not flamboyant or anything like that, just does what he needs to do when increasingly he's sort of coming across as third man up and killing a contest and things like that. So he's becoming really reliable. And then I think, you know, Brander after by would be his own admission, I would think, had a, a quietish first half, really sort of opened up in the in the second half and, and just showed what we might have on our hands. He was really good, particularly his field kicking. Um, oh, yeah. And his vision. He, you know, there's probably three, four, maybe more kicks where he's... he's Guy that he's just he's hit a guy in a tit 40 or 50 metres away and opened the game right up. And that's with with Jetta out of the side or out of the club now, that's the sort of penetrating kicks that we've we've missed. So to have that um, is really good. And the other thing too, now he's got he's got that sort of first goal monkey off his back two or three weeks ago. He's looking a bit more confident with his um Kicking a goal, got one nice that shot, and then a nice sort of semi-little banana on the run in the last. So he's gone nuts um, with his goal kicking. I think he took something like fourteen games to get his first goal, and then he's got five in the last three or four weeks. Yeah. He's got five in five in five. So when was the last midfielder we had going at a, a goal a game? Obviously, I know it's a small sample size early on in yeah. the season, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but he's kicked a goal against Port. He kicked zero two against the Saints, so might have grabbed one then. And then one goal straight against the Pies, same again against Geelong, and then two goals straight against Freo. So, yeah, he's uh, he's really stepped up on the in the goal scoring department. Yeah, I, I think which which was the game he got his first goal was that Port. Port, it was, was yes, yeah. I remember back in that game, and the the boys really really did get around him, and it was it was obvious it was something that I reckon had been playing on his mind. So now he's got that out of the way, he, he just looks like he's starting to 
get that sort of self-belief that he's he belongs at the level, which, you know, he probably didn't. He had a really rough start to his career over the first two years. I mean, his first games were on difficult road trips and, you know, I don't know how many games he played before he actually even got a win, but he, he's just starting to look settled in that side. And, you know, if we can continue with this sort of, it's kind of an experiment with a six foot five wingman. We've got we've got a potentially really good asset on his on our hands and something sort of like what that uh, Lacocious is developing into at Gold Coast. Quite a bizarre career arc to date for Jared Brander. He made his debut in his rookie season on the road at the SCG. That was his only game for his rookie year. You know, good luck, mate. That's a tough ask. And I think he was doing it as a lead up forward because I think Kennedy might have missed that game from memory. Then he oh, played. That was Darling was out too, I think. Yeah, yeah. We go. had a lot of problems with forwards at that that stage. We had a had a really run where a, a whole bunch of them were out. Twenty nineteen, he started the season. He played round one away at Brisbane. So how do you like that? Then he took some time off, played away at Geelong. How do you like that? Uh, he finally got a home game last year in front of nobody in round one against Melbourne with COVID just sort of starting to mount and a little bit of concern. They just announced earlier in the day that they were going to cancel the season. So that was his first home game. Then he played three consecutive games in the hubs, all losses. So it's it's just been a really bizarre career trajectory for him. But five consecutive weeks of football is comfortably the most he's played at AFL level and he's really starting to show something for it. Miguel, speaking of guys that hit the scoreboard, Josh Kennedy's back. Jack Darling never really went anywhere, but his form was back and a few brain fades were back as well. You know, can't, can't have everything, but we had Jones snapping him from everywhere. Cripps bobbed up with some goals and Waterman's doing a little bit of everything. With Oscar Allen tied up down back, it still didn't prevent the Eagles from putting on a show. Yeah, it was a real um, shootout in that first half, and yeah, all of our forwards hit the um, hit the scoreboard. I think Cripps had a really good purple patch, maybe in the third quarter, where he was he kicked a couple. I think he he just missed one. He seemed to be everywhere. Yeah, Darling was marking everything. He, he seemed to get the yips. He missed an easy set shot, and then he sort of he tried giving some off and. He had one where he sort of half went to give it off and was called to play on and then had to sort of rush a kick and a bit unfortunate because he's a really good set shot normally. And he just sort of got in his own head a bit, I think. But yeah, all of those guys. Waterman um, had a really good game. Uh, I, I think some people might have been calling for him to be dropped last week. But yeah, bobbed up with three goals. <laughs> this is developing into a bit of a trend. This is the weekly yeah. segment. Who did we ask to be dropped that yeah. then went on to play really, really well? Miguel eats crow, yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, Langdon as well had... Um, He's still a bit fumbly, but he works really hard. I, I think the coaches will love his uh, his work rate and the amount of ground he covers. And yeah, he finally speaking of the getting the monkey off the back um, with Brando. Yeah, Langdon took six or seven games, but he uh, he finally hit the board and he actually got credited. I think with that one, he's officially down as having two goals. So I think that very long score review that seemed to have come off his foot seems Under to have gone boots. to him. Yeah, it's nice. gone yeah. to him. Yeah. Even though I think the official review said it was Kennedy's goal, but it might. <laughs> he's got. Nearly 700 goals, he can probably afford to give one away. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, forward line functioned really well, and uh, we were able to get a fair bit of supply to him as well. I think we had 57 inside 50s, which is quite high for us. So part of it's getting the supply, and um, part of it's converting, and we did all of it well on the weekend. Yeah, I think the good thing is we had 10 individual cold kickers for the match, which is a, a season high, and no one player kicking more than three. So it really was a... Um, a nice sharing of the load, um, and, and they even performance across the forward line. That was that was pretty encouraging. That we're not relying on as relying on one player kicking the bag and getting a few other guys get in there. And you should have been eleven because I reckon Kelly 
had a couple of goes that, you know, he probably liked back. Um, I think he, he made a comment in his presser the other day that he thought he played better games in part because he didn't kick a goal. So he was a bit down on himself for, for that. But uh, 10 goal scores and one of a couple of our more like, you know, midfielder ones that normally get it didn't. So, yeah. Good result all up from the forwards. Yeah, 42 disposals, five inside 50s, nine tackles, uh, 13 clearances. Tim Kelly, pretty shocking day at the office, mate. Deserves to be down yeah, on himself. No goals and uh, no marks. I think yeah. it might have been an AFL record for most, most touches without actually taking a mark. It was. Nicely picked up, Miguel. Absolutely it was. So, g'day, Tim Kelly. Nice uh, little record for you there, mate. Keys, we're all we're all positive. We're all sunshines and rainbows. We love it. We thumped the Dockers. It was hilarious. The Eagles have now won more finals since Fremantle last won a derby than Fremantle have ever won. That's my favourite stat, and it lives on for another few months. So everybody's happy. But what do we take away from this game? Because as you said, we're up, we're down, we're at home, we're on the road. Everything's a little bit uneven at the moment. The Eagles haven't found that nice middle ground yet. Frio came in above us on the ladder, but we sort of have to know, all right, candidly, we know where Frio sit in the scheme of contenders. So how much do we actually take away long-term from this game? Yeah, probably not a lot. I don't know we can specifically say we learnt all that much more about us than what we knew the week before in that we're capable of it. Producing it consistently is is an issue. I think the, the good thing about it was we won all four quarters, which we haven't done this season. So that that was good that we didn't really let up. You know, I think that second half, you know, Fremantle sort of did really roll over and, yeah, they, they sort of let us play the game. We like to have it played. And, you know, certainly when we go over East, you know, that's something that clubs aren't letting us do. They're not letting us just play it on our terms. And, you know, even yeah, we'll get to it later with, with Hawthorne. I, I doubt very much that Hawthorne won't be putting the pressure on us. So we're going to have to deal with that. And I think until we, we start winning some games on the road, there's still going to be question marks over us because... Truth is, if if we want to even get a look in at top four, we're going to have to win, you know, probably four or five games on the on the road from here on in, and, and perhaps more. So yeah, it was good. We won. That's nice. But my three word was repeat next week, and that's the challenge that we've really we've got to find that consistency that we found in that game. We've got to find that now from week to week. Heroes and villains time for the week. A bit of a different week uh, now. Coming off the Freo win, everybody's happy, but still plenty of villainous behaviour out there. So we'll keep an eye out for that one. Uh, We've got a few listener villains early on. Paul says COVID for robbing us of a crowd. Have to agree with that one. And Bart did not like the commentary from Melbourne. So Bart, I hope you will be joining us for the live call this Sunday. West Coast versus Hawthorne, 11-10. Follow us on social media. There's another plug. Uh, just quickly, my villain is Robbo from AFL 360, Mark Robinson. He asked Adam Simpson why Shannon Hearn missed the game. I would have thought, do some research, mate. Simo's only on once a year. Just check your phone, you know, chuck it in Google. Shannon Hearn and it'll come up. We announced it. It's all good. Anyway, uh, Miguel, I would have thought some journos could have done some more research than that, but what drew your eye this week? Um, yeah, I had uh, some journos. Robbo's uh, partner on 360, Jared Lately, apparently suggested that Frio are uh, getting picked on for being the little brother club because they've got to go hub in Queensland for a bit and we don't, which... Hey? I, yeah, I don't know where he's got that from. Stupid little f***ing twerp. They're swapping later in the year, though. They've, they suggested yeah. this. Yeah, it's, it's their idea and it's completely circumstances because they've 
they missed out on one home crowd uh, the week before the derby and they don't want to miss another one, run the risk of missing another one. It's so, a financial call as well. It's not a, yeah. a welfare call or anything like that. Yeah, so I don't know what Jared's thinking there. Um, Robbo's obviously started sharing his bourbon with him. Flop's going to go over there and try and sell his artwork. Yeah, that too. Yep. Oh, quick aside on that for anybody who didn't see it. Can someone tell me? It's not him in the photo, is it? Isn't it? In, in the picture. Sorry, so there's a yeah, photo of him carrying a, a frame, a photo frame or a painting or something. Is it? Is he carrying a photo of himself to the airport? I thought so. Oh, yeah, wow. There's a, um, there was, it's a painting of a picture he took, taken a, he took a selfie somewhere overseas and then someone's, I assume someone has painted it and given it to him or he's either, <laughs> either that or he's painted it himself. I don't know which, but he's taking it to the Gold Coast with him for some reason. Amazing. Carrying his own face around at the airport. We're going to have a nomination that beats that. I think Nat Fife for this week. That's pretty good, but uh, I don't know. I reckon Keyes has got a bit of an idea. I'll turn it over to Keyes. Some uh, some interesting headlines around the West Coast Eagles this week, Keyes. Did you happen to catch any of them? I caught one. <laughs> and look, anyone who's a little bit sensitive, go make yourself a cup of coffee or just skip ahead a couple of minutes. Um, I reckon skip ahead about an hour. We'll clear the runway for this one. This might get a little ripe. Uh, for those who aren't, sit back and let this sort of just float over you like a white sheet with a pointy tip. <laughs> um, now, Alex Mann is a blue tick ABC journo based in Sydney who I've never heard of before. He's actually closed his Twitter off. You can't actually look at his Twitter anymore. So fair to say he might have got a bit of blowback. Fair to say, too, he probably needed someone to tell him who the West Coast Eagles actually were. Eagle Eye Journal that he that he obviously is has seen a uh, a team photo of our boys celebrating the win with a trophy and noticed a relatively innocuous hand gesture that means different things to different people and there's a bunch of different things that can be. Um, it's the okay gesture, effectively. It's what you'd signal yeah. for okay or maybe a three pointer in the NBA. It's the you know it's a circle so, with your three fingers up. Yeah, so he's bypassed all the possible explanations that it could be and gone straight for the 4chan conspiracy it's a white supremacist hand signal good job you with one of the three <laughs> your eagle-eyed nomp was an indigenous fella it was jermaine jones so you're calling out an aboriginal boy for being a what's making a white supremacist signal you f***ing dolt it's always the ones you least suspect. <laughs> so we edited out this bit last week because it was inappropriate. But Alex Mann, go f*** yourself with a rusty spike. If you don't like that suggestion, wrap barbed wire around it and do it again. Wow. <laughs> so um, I'm sure everyone's and, seen and, it, but the explanation was it's the circle game. It's the equivalent of, you know, you hold it down and if somebody looks at the little circle that you make with your fingers, just give them a punch on the arm. It's not yeah. a big deal. It's played in primary schools and high schools around the world. There's videos of every bastard doing it. Bypass all the easy, innocuous, excusable possibilities for what it could have been and what it actually was, and then jump to the most controversial one. And then as a little aside and a little adjunct to this, Fox Footy, you f***ing muppets, you quite happily piggybacked onto it and put it back up in there. Go back three and a half years, and there's a photo of Jack Rerolt making the exact same bloody thing in the premiership photo and you've called it cheeky hand gesture from Jack Rewalt. You f***ing nongs. If it was cheeky back then, it's cheeky now. It's not white supremacy. 
but you know, it's Richmond, good old boys. You know, the kebab eating, strip club fighting, quarantine dodging, dick punching, date fingering, tip pick sharing. Good old boys from Richmond. They can get with a chopstick as well. Chopstick wielding. Oh yeah, that as well. <laughs> There's no top of anyway, that. You can come back from your coffee now. I've done. There is no top. Of- Bravo, Keys. Summed up nicely, succinct but still uh, eloquent. Beautifully done, Miguel. That's my vote. That's my vote for villain of the week. Keys might even get my vote for hero of the week after that. I don't think there's any <laughs> topping that. I'm sorry. Yeah, I didn't think anything had topped that fight carrying around a painting of himself, but I think we have. Here we are. All right. Uh, what was his name? Alex Mann. Just the general story as well. But uh, yeah, definite villainous behaviour. Definite villain of the week. Uh, a few listener heroes of the week now. We'll, we'll bring it back on the rails, a little bit more positive. Uh, James's hero of the week was Fox Footy, interestingly enough, for making Eddie call the Derby. Now, this was not something that many people enjoyed. James liked it, though, <laughs> because he had to acknowledge Dom Sheed running around and having a good game, and it just made James laugh, so I appreciate that. Thanks for writing that one in. Uh, Keeley's hero of the week was Jermaine Jones for his freakish goal. Yeah, a lot of people had the whole team. A lot of people wrote in and just said whole team effort, really liked the whole team's game, so... The West Coast Eagles, a lot of people's hero of the week. Miguel, I might save my hero of the week for the back end of this because I've got a bit of an interesting one. I think we might have a chat about it. So I'll let you lead off this time as well. Somebody uh, somebody deserves a little bit of praise this week. Um, yeah, I had I agreed with everyone that said basically the whole team. But um, if you have to single one person out, I thought um, Oscar Allen just because uh, he was uh, our equal leading goal scorer, I think, going into that game. So he's uh, potentially a chance of, uh, of getting his first leading goal scorer award at the end of the year. But um, sacrificed that to go down back and uh, and play on Lob and then Tabiner and did a good job on both of them. So, yeah, just thought um, similar to the uh, the Coast to Coast Unsung Heroes segment, just to plug another podcast. Thought he played a really selfless game. Beautifully done. Uh, Keys, did anybody deserve some praise this week from yourself or are you still uh, still taking breath in? I, I was struggling to find one, but I'm just I'm going to give a uh, shout-out to the West Coast Eagles membership team. I think... It was only confirmed I think, like Wednesday or Thursday last week that it was going to be a 75% capacity to go ahead. So they've had to organise ticketing or all that stuff with about two days' notice. And then they've had a giant dump taken on them from above and said, yeah, all that work, yeah, don't worry about it because we're locking everybody out. So they would have worked tirelessly and really, really hard for ultimately nothing. But shout out to them give them a pat on the back because they probably don't get it from, from a lot of members who probably get pretty frustrated with um, you know, trying to get tickets and what have you. So shout out to them. That's very pleasant. That's uh, unfortunately reminded me that I had the Eagles membership system down as a, a bit of a Villain of the Week nomination. I forgot to mention it. I know it's not the <laughs> membership team. It's definitely not the people actually in there doing the work. I understand that. But the refund for the Derby, obviously it was a missed game for memberships. You pay to go to 11 games a year. We didn't get to go to 11, so... We get, you know, one eleventh back. The default option on that was donating it to the club. Now, I, you know, do what you want. If, you, if you're happy to put it in the club and leave it in there, I understand they take a financial hit. More power to you. I've got no issue if you do that. But I would have thought the default option would have been a refund anyway. Not, uh, not to get too negative because this is Hero of the Week. So, and, and yes, to be clear, this is clearly not the people in there working and, and solving all the little minute issues. This is probably a, a board-level decision. So, no, big shout-out to the membership team for some hard work last week for sure. Uh, guys, my hero of the week, I'm good for a controversial one once every now and then. I think this might be another option. I have a Fremantle fan as my hero of the week, and I'll tell you why. On the Freo board after the game, somebody wrote, 
I'm not going to name who they were, but a, a long-standing Fremantle fan. It wasn't a troll. This was genuinely someone who is invested in the Dockers. Put the following. I think more people need to come to the realisation that Fremantle exists to dilute the WA market and ensure the West Coast Eagles don't get too powerful. We aren't supposed to win flags or dominate games. Just take a cut from their finances and ensure every WA fan doesn't go back there. We aren't a Port Adelaide. We're just a counterweight with an ironic anchor identity. That, to me, was as eloquent as it gets on Big Footy and also depressing, heartbreaking and hilarious in equal measures. So <laughs> that Frio fan is genuinely my hero of the week. It warms the heart. Yeah, you've got to admire a guy who realises their place in life. <laughs> so he he probably wasn't the same Frio fan who edited the Eagles' Wikipedia page today. I would suggest not. Definitely worth jumping on our uh, <laughs> Twitter account if you missed that one. Somebody got a little bit creative on Wikipedia uh, this morning. Uh, hero of the week, gents. We need to lock one in for sure. So who do we have? Uh, who, who are we confirming? Who was our hero of the week? Uh, I'll say yeah, I'm, I'm keys happy. for his rant. Yeah, actually, good shout. <laughs> I was happy with Aussie. All right, well, it, we'll call it a, we'll call it a tie. Oscar Allen and Keys for equal measures of uh, positive contribution to the West Coast Eagles community this week. Congratulations, gentlemen. Moving on with a little bit of news, the Eagles announced a raft of re-signings over the past week, certainly since we've last chatted. Uh, Dom Sheed and Liam Ryan were the first batch last week. We don't have a lot of detail on these. We can't tell you how long they run for, although, guys, there was a lot of chat that Dom Sheed was going to sign for five years. It's something we've talked about uh, on a previous episode as well. It should take him till he's about 29 or 30, somewhere around there, depending on how long he actually signed for. So Dom Sheed and Liam Ryan were joined today by Brad Shepard, Jackson Nelson, Callum Jamieson and Zane True, all extending their stay at the Eagles. Uh, Miguel, some of these guys had their contract coming up. Some of them seem to have just had them sort of reworked and extended, but nonetheless, a lot of familiar faces there. Is there anybody in particular that you're wrapped to have back, or what? Do you, what's your thoughts on that general group? Uh, well, Sheed was the one that um, I think qualified for free agency, so didn't think he was much chance of going somewhere. But, uh, yeah, good to see him sign on. Uh, Ryan as well. Shep, yeah, I mean, I mean they're all positive. It's a bit maddening. We don't have the uh, amount of detail uh, or any real detail other than these are some of our players and they happen to have signed contracts. But, yeah, good to see for all of them. Um, and I suppose we're just waiting on the Oscar Allen signature now. Absolutely. And, Keys, there was a bit of chat in the week that that was coming. Maybe not soon, soon, but certainly in the works and, and definitely seems to be positive on that front. Uh, I think that came from a – was it Trevor Nisbet interview? Trevor, or? Trevor Nisbet, I think, has – said, you know, it'll happen. He said, the interview I heard, I'm sure he said it might be months rather than days or weeks. And his current deal doesn't expire until the end of next year anyway. So I don't think there's any sort of ball-tearing urgency on on that. Pretty unlikely that Oscar will go anywhere despite that article, you know, a few weeks back that was suggesting he was going to get some big offers from other clubs. Yeah, those signings, I don't know there was any real concern that any of those six signings were going to move anywhere else, but it's nice to just get them squared away and nice little vote of confidence in um, uh, Jamison's development that they've, you know, extending him for another year at least. You know, he's a work in progress and uh, the, the little bit I saw of the waffle game against Peel, he was going kind of nice. He's starting to show a little bit at waffle level. So he's a slow development guy. It'll, it'll be a while before he's ready to ruck at AFL level, but, you know, good for him and and nice to um, 
sees own true get sort of extended, even though he's still you know a rookie list. Yeah, another year for him. Nice little vote of confidence for the lad. Round eight, the West Coast Eagles take on Hawthorne. It is our first trip to the MCG for the season. 11.10am Western Standard Time. It is, of course, Mother's Day. We'd love it if you'd join us on the live call. It's not going to be the last time I plug it, but uh, bear with us and, and we'd love to have you join us. Tell your mum. Have your mum join us on the live call as well. It'd be fantastic to uh, welcome the whole family in on Sunday. Oh. There's a bit of pressure if I turn up. <laughs> G'day to everybody's mums out there. Speak to your mother like that with that mouth. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. Don't uh, maybe don't sell your mum on the uh, on the live call by playing heroes and villains. Maybe maybe let's, we'll we'll ease the mums in with something a little bit more family friendly. Uh, some injuries, guys. Before we get to our teams and before we get to the analysis, it's starting to trend positive. There's still a lot of names, and the quality of names is still very very high. But the list and the sort of general vibe around these injury updates is starting to trend in the right direction. Tom Barras is a test with the shoulder. He was previously listed as effectively out, but they're sort of saying he's a bit of a chance, a 50-50. So certainly the one to monitor this week. We've got Shannon Hearn has been upgraded one to two weeks with the calf. Hutchings is a test. He'll play in the Beagles, you would hope. McGovern, one to two weeks with the groin. Liam Ryan, one to two weeks with the shin. So all of those are trending nicely. And uh, there might even be some sort of outside chance we see some of those guys come back by next week. We've got Shuey still TBC with the hammy. Vardy has a foot issue that he played through. He is a test. Venables, of course, TBC with a concussion. Isaiah Winder, TBC with a knee. And Elliot Yo TBC with the groin. Although the closest they've got to putting a time frame on it, today in the injury update the club have announced that there is a chance he plays before the bye. So let's not lock it in. They also said there was a chance he'd play finals last year, and we know how that ended up. So we won't lock it in just yet, but Miguel, we're getting closer to having a full list to pick from. And with that in mind, especially with the Tom Brass news in mind, what are the changes you'd like to make as the Eagles square up against the Hawks? Uh, well, yeah, Barras, uh I think, would be the only person I'd bring in. You know, difficult to make changes uh, to a side that turns into performance like that. If Barras does come in, I'd um, shift Allen into the backup ruck spot uh, and leave out Vardy, especially if he's, he's carrying a bit of a foot injury. might be a good week to give him off. I know we need to be sparing about using Allen in the ruck, but I think Hawthorne's a team where we can do it pretty comfortably, particularly if they don't bring Segler back and they just ruck McAvoy and um, some part-timers. Uh, if Barras isn't available, then I'd either make uh, no change or if Vardy's injured as well, then I think Williams comes in and, and plays that role. He's been building uh, fairly nicely in the waffle uh, and, yeah, he can definitely come in and, and play sort of Vardy's uh, 50 to 55% time on ground role, I think. Other than that, wouldn't make any changes. I mean, um, you always look at guys like Langdon, I suppose, and Brander and be nice to get O'Neill in, but I think we're pretty well balanced on the weekend and I'd like to see us... Uh, going with a similar-looking sort of side. Yeah, so I like your call there. Barras for Vardy, if that's Vardy, possible. Yeah, yeah I, I do like that. I also like the fact it leaves Edwards in the side. He could potentially pinch hit in the ruck. Allen could maybe do a job, although I don't love that. I'd rather turn it over to Edwards, to be honest. And, you know, it gives you a little bit more defensive cover with Barras in behind him. But if we do have to make a couple of changes or, you know, it, it's all a bit up in the air. There's a lot of moving parts. I could see Williams coming in for Vardy. I could also see them finding a way to drop Langdon as well. But how that works, if you, let's say, bring in, you know, Barras and Williams for Vardy and Langdon, it's all a little bit uneven. I'll leave that one to Simo to decide because I certainly haven't figured out how that fits. Uh, looking at the Hawks' ruck situation, 
It is just McAvoy, but he plays 80, sometimes even 90% time on ground. So you are conceding some quality in the ruck there, Keys. if you do turn it over to Oscar Allen. Is that something you'd like to do? And, and assuming Tom Barras doesn't get up, where else do we go for changes? Yeah, I, I think I'd really like to um, not play Allen in the ruck if I can avoid it, but I kind of like the thinking of Meg there that, you know, if Brass comes in, you know, Vardy comes out, and if Brass isn't ready, Williams comes in. I don't think there's it, – it's sort of really a availability if it's, you know, if Brass is ready and if Vardy's out, you know, I mean – I wouldn't have said this two weeks ago, but hopefully Vardy is right and he can play because I actually thought he made a not a huge contribution, but he made a contribution. But then if Vardy's right and Barras is right, well then you know you you may be looking at taking out Edwards and leaving Allen down back. So it's a little bit mixed. We don't know, and you know we've always got that you know what seems to become a sort of semi-regular selection day surprise injury. So I don't know who that might be, but someone seems to pop up each week. Can I have a guess at who it'll be this week? Yeah, go for it. Don't jinx anybody, but let's go for it. <laughs> yeah, without one to jinx anyone, um, Cripps went off late. and Oh, he um, did, with the ankle. Yeah, hasn't been mentioned in the injury re- report, but obviously we know that's not a, uh, a prerequisite. So if someone's going to sort of disappear off face of the earth this week, I, it might be him. Yeah, it's quite an informed call. I don't love it, but, you know, we'll wait and see. Wait and see what happens there. Yeah, so I think it just becomes availability based and I don't think anyone from the 22 deserves to be dropped so it's just you know whether one of them's injured or or someone if Barass is right yeah someone then has to make way so we'll see on Saturday. So having a look it's been a trend that we've talked about many times this season probably many times this pod already to be honest Miguel the home versus away output for the West Coast Eagles undefeated at home winless on the road, and Kane249 on Big Footy has put together a little list here from the midfield about how the disposal numbers differ. So you look at a guy like Andrew Gaff, for example, 31.25 disposals average at home, drops down to 21.3 on the road. Kelly, 31.5 at home, down to 22.7 on the road. Redden, 29.75 at home and 21 away. Sheed is at 29 at home, falls to 20.7 away. And then if you want to throw Duggan in there as well, 24 at Optus, 18 in Victoria. So it's not a great statistical breakdown there, really. You know, it's not pleasant reading at all. The numbers have dropped off significantly. The Hawks, second lowest in the league in clearances, just ahead of North Melbourne, who we know are a bit of a rabble. Is this a week that the Eagles on the road, they can finally be led from the mids? and have the mids stand up and actually, you know, show, yep, we can do it at Optus. Now can we do it in Victoria? Uh, Yeah, well, let's hope so. And, yeah, those numbers you read off from Kane aren't great, but coming off a small sample size, I suppose, and uh, the Geelong game where no one, I don't think anyone other than Gaff got more than 20 touches, so that would bring everyone's average down a bit. But, yeah, we've just, I still think it's just a mindset thing. So hopefully they can um, travel, travel over there with, you know, Void a bit by their their uh, form on the weekend and um, and the fact that you know, Hawthorne aren't travelling too well and this is actually an opportunity for them to turn that around a bit um, because yeah we'll probably be going in with the same guys Kelly in in hot form Frio didn't tag him I think opposition coaches would be nuts not to tag him because it has worked uh, Greenwood kept him quiet for Collingwood uh, O'Connor obviously did a job on him uh, at Geelong 
So, yeah, you don't want him getting off the chain, but I don't know that Hawthorne have been playing a tagger. Well, so. he even mentioned it, Kelly, in his post-match interview after the derby. You know, he said I've been tagged the last few weeks. It was nice to be able to just run around. Like that, I'm not saying that coaches don't do their research and wouldn't be able to suss this out themselves, but that seems like a pretty good indication that maybe uh, put a run-with role on this guy. You know, Warple, I've seen bandied around the Eagles board as a potential option. Can't say that I know too well how the Hawks have been using him this year, but you might see a little bit more attention paid to Kelly, yeah. Well, I think, yeah, I think they'd be mad not to, but, um, yeah, we'll see. And Clarko's always got some uh, some tricks up his sleeve. But, yeah, we should have, on paper, we should have a bit of dominance in there, even though Hawks will get probably get O'Meara and Wingard and possibly Burgoyne back. So they'll go in with a fairly strong or, or a much stronger side than, uh, than uh, the one that faced St Kilda. But, yeah, on paper, we still should have enough to beat them, really. But it's... It's going to be about mindset and, yeah, hopefully uh, not having any sort of road trip demons that we seem to have uh, seem to have raised their heads again after we, we thought we'd buried them a couple of years ago. Keys, we've discussed briefly how important the mids are going to be, and of course that's been the case now for the Eagles for several weeks on the road. The forward efficiency is also going to be the big story in this because Hawthorne, as we've said, they don't do a lot of attacking from the clearances. They do a lot of attacking off half-back. The number one rebound 50 side in football Conversely, though, the Eagles are putting it inside 50, the second least of anybody. The Hawks aren't much better than them. They go inside 50 one extra time per game. So two sides here that don't get it inside 50 a lot. The Hawks, when they get it in, they don't really score it. But when the opposition get in, that's where they set up all of their attack. How important is it to give good service, get good service out of the middle as well, and give good service to the forwards? Yeah, I mean, that game's really set up on clean delivery into our forward six. So that'll do, and I think, you know, the rebound, um, the the young CK. I'm not going to embarrass myself by trying to pronounce his name properly. He's he's been a bit of a revelation this year. He's a pretty exciting young guy to watch. So he does give a pretty good rebound off half back. So we're going to need to watch him. I, I keep thinking. I think we're all sort of wary of a a Clarkson coach sort of ambush. You know, and I, I sort of thought, I, Hawthorne really trouble us. But if you look back. Since Simpson's been at the club, we it's five wins for us, six for them. So it's not you're not quite the bogey team I thought they might have been. We've actually won through the last four, and our last game at the G we beat them. So yeah, yes, you respect Clarkson's ability to to plan and and sort of set something up to take away our strengths. But it's, it's really you know we we've been sort of harping on it, but it's really a, the mindset thing. I like, think you know clearly. Simpson put the acid on the players last week to um, put in a better effort than they did against Geelong. I, I'm hopefully he saved saved a bullet for this week to say, well, it's all well good coming home and doing it. You've, you're now you've got to you've got to do that on the road and 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 keep that pressure on the players to say, well, it's not one week's not good enough. That that's got to be continued, you know, week in week out, and you can't get any continuity without backing it up this week. So. Hawthorne are struggling. They'll be they'll be stung by a really bad showing against St Kilda. They're a pretty proud club, but you know, really, if if we're not knocking over the Hawks, you know, you're probably not sort of thinking about too many wins on the road this year. It's a pretty must-win game. Miguel, we have a look at the Hawks forwards, and it is quite a tall forward line. They've got Bruce down there, who can still you know he knows a few tricks, and they haven't really gone away. Maybe that's a matchup for Shep, or maybe that's one for your Nelsons and your Coles. Depends how small you want to play them. The Tolls, though, again, we're going to see the Eagles' backline stretch. Let's say that Tom Barras doesn't play. 
and it leaves us with that similar look of, you know, you've got your Edwards down there and Rotham and Shep playing a little bit tall, all these sorts of guys. How do you think we're going to match up? Because you see the guys that kick goals for the Hawks, and outside of Bruce, it's Kajitsky, you know, McAvoy can drift forward and kick a goal. You've got Gunston, who's come back. You've got Lewis, you know, he's, he's showing something for a young kid. There are some tall bodies down there in the forward 50, and the Eagles at the moment, a little light on talls. Yeah, they went in quite tall against St Kilda and didn't work, and the suggestion I've seen is that they'll um, they'll go away from that a bit. But they went in with um, Lewis uh, Kajitsky, uh, Emerson Jecker played his another sort of six foot five forward played his first game but didn't do anything and might not get his second one this week. But yeah, we, we've got um, uh, Edwards and Allen. I, I thought particularly in the second half they played uh, quite well. I think they got the matchups right um, in the second half. I, I think Edwards should have been on lob from the beginning. But yeah, they, they went well. You know, Rotham can take a tall or a third tall, so we've got the bodies down there. I think to um, uh, to match up on them. Uh, Shep on Bruce, I agree with you. I think that's the matchup. Yeah, McAvoy might be a bit of a handful if he drifts forward. And yeah, we we saw Grundy do that to Nick Nat a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so uh, you have to be mindful of that. But yeah, otherwise, I think we've got the cattle to uh, to match up on on all of the Hawks forwards and the back line sort of did sort of come into its own. I think in the second half and and work well together. And yeah, if there is no changes and Brass doesn't come back in, I, I think they'll um. That should still function pretty well against uh, what the Hawks put out against them. Right, Keys, one last one from me before we get into the tips, and it's a bit of a curveball. I'm trying to find a role for Langdon because at the moment, ball in hand doesn't seem to all be lining up. He's very nearly with a lot of these things. You know, he's half there, he's fumbling a bit, leaving the ball behind, just a couple of little issues, and I'm happy to see him get that goal. But maybe we can find a bit of a run with role for him. Is there somebody on the Hawks list that you'd think, oh, it's probably worth paying a bit of attention to them, given their propensity to attack from the back line. You know, you've got guys like Hardwick, uh, Impey, they've got Jath, who you mentioned before, Scrimshaw can get back there as well and, and sort of rebound them. They've got some pretty good attacking options off the back line. Do you find a role for Langdon doing something like that? Is it is it a Nelson tag? Like, is there some way you want to curb this rebound? Or is it just, no, go in, back your structures, and let's hope that Langdon can hit the scoreboard himself? Yeah, I think, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be against sort of getting him to maybe squat on Impey and just sort of try and take him out of the game a little bit. I mean, we've seen uh, Hutchings do that. So, you know, you can sort of do it with someone who's not that quick. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Langdon, on, perhaps on Impey, I think CK is probably too quick for him, but I could see him sort of perhaps running. I know Impey's quite quick as well, but um, yeah, I would wouldn't mind him just saying, "Well, look, sacrifice your own offensive game, uh, which we haven't really relied on anyway, and play a defensive role to to cut out that." rebound from half back that's a good idea Miguel I'll let you lead the way with the tipping this week who is going to win by how much and which eagle is going to impress us the most uh, yeah I think the eagles will win just because um, we have to it's uh, yeah, it's time to start banking some away wins to go with our home wins and, and this is a great opportunity um, so yeah picked us by 28 and best on ground I'm going to say Jack Darling had a few good games recently apart from his little um, bout of the yips midway through the derby and yeah, I think you mentioned before our last game at Hawthorne, uh, against Hawthorne at the MCG, we won, uh, and Darling kicked five that day, so I'm backing him to do the same again against um, uh, some, we didn't talk about Hawthorne's defenders, but they're a little bit sort of journeyman-like, their they're key defenders, Hardigan and Frost, so um, yeah, Darling, whoever he gets, should be able to dominate. 
keys. I'm willing to bet that the answer is going to be somebody by 24. Which team is it going to be and which eagle is going to impress us the most? Yeah, a whole lot of thoughts. So Eagles by 24. <laughs> um, uh, lazy opinion. Um, I could get a job on Fox Footy with that sort of in-depth thinking. And best on the big fella, Nick. Oh, you stole mine. I thought no one's ever picked Nick. I'm going to pick <laughs> Nick. Beautifully done. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I'm going to go, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to go Nick. Love that. Now, we know, obviously, shortened format last season, but last time these guys met, it was, of course, in Perth. It was shortened quarters. Nick Natanui made the All-Oz side last year. 35 hitouts and 14 disposals in short quarters. He's coming off a game where he had, what did I say before, eight clearances, something like that. So I love the shout, Keys. I'm going to rework mine on the fly and say Josh Kennedy. He looked fresh. He looked energized. And uh, if we can get the supply in, yeah, the Eagles very, very efficient. We're actually quite a high-scoring team at the moment, fourth in footy, despite our low number of inside 50s. If we can get the ball in there cleanly, Josh Kennedy knows his way around the G these days. The Hawks are going to win from a kiss of death perspective, but Josh Kennedy might impress us the most. Let's go with that. That'll do it from us this week. We hope to join you later on in the week for the live call and uh, stay tuned for social media for that. Click a link, mute your television, watch along. It's as simple as that. And uh, you don't have to hear any of the bullshit Fox coverage. You can just hear us. We'll be cheering. We'll be backing in the boys all day. And we'll try to get fewer names wrong. Although, Miguel, last time I did accidentally call Andrew Gaff Tim Kelly, I believe. Nonetheless, thank you for joining us on the show this week, Mig. And uh, I hope to see you on Sunday as well. Yeah, no worries. That's That was a bit of a uh, a bit of an odd confusion between you. I thought you were going to say Brandon and Rotham because that happens once a week. But no, um, no. yeah, hopefully... Uh, Kelly for yeah, Hopefully we, uh, we break the um, poor uh, live call record this year of uh, one call and one horrible loss. Absolutely. Fingers crossed. Keys, we might see you on Sunday. We might not. Either way, though, thank you very much for your contributions today, particularly in the Heroes and Villains segment. Thank you very much. Yep, no dramas. Alex, if you're listening, I've got a uh, nice tub of salty water getting ready (laughs) for the marinator spike for you. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic work, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Very much appreciated as well. All the reviews, sharing the pot around, telling a friend. We really love seeing your three-word reviews and your heroes and villains as well. So please keep those going. Follow us on social media at WCEBFpod and keep an eye out for that link. We will be calling the game live on Sunday. We hope very much to see you then. Until next week, guys, or maybe until Sunday, if we're uh, lucky enough to have your company then, we'll leave it there. Go the Eagles and uh, all the best in round eight. Bye for now. Bye. Bye. Go Eagles.